Hey, welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. It's Joey here. And today, Paul Fertifilli and Aaron Howley join me for a chat all about personal training. Aaron is the head of our PT development here at the gym, which is the program that we use to help our coaches become better at what they do on a weekly basis, but also to help them build successful PT businesses. And we see those two skill sets as going hand in hand for anyone that is transitioning into a PT or coaching career. Now, we really go into our origin stories as PTs, and as such, we detail some of the big mistakes we made in the past. So there's a few classic horror stories in this one, plenty of good laughs, but really uh, quite a few cautionary tales for anyone out there that is also a coach or thinking about getting into coaching. Now, if that is something you're interested in, you'd probably be keen on our Coaches Intensive, which is a two-day course that we run where we take current coaches and up-and-coming coaches through all of the skill sets that we believe are essential for anyone who wants to be a world-class coach and build a successful PT business. Everything from sales and marketing through to programming and public speaking. Uh, It's an amazing course. Anyone can do it. It's a great chance to dip your toes into the Jungle Alliance methodology and to see if it is something that you would like to work in. Now, the next course will be running sometime in the new year. We don't have a date booked right now, but we're looking at January, mid to late Jan. So if you are interested, you can get in touch with us at junglebrothers.com and I can tell you more about it there. In any case, I hope that after listening to today's show, you can have a bit of a laugh at our expense, but you can also not make the same mistakes we did as young personal trainers in the fitness industry. Enjoy the episode. Be snatching what, Paul Fotofilly? Guys are uh, you guys are double teaming that poor microphone over there because Joey dropped the ball on the. We had a technical difficulty, guys. I apologise, and <laughs> resulted in Paul and As sharing a mic. It's not. You just, it doesn't feel professional when you got to share a mic with someone, does it? No, definitely lose a bit of that. I then feel like I've regressed in my. Position sorry, I just moved this over to you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, sorry. I think we just touched. But yeah, I've regressed my my position here at the podcast. I thought I feel like somewhat I'm. In the next room. It's a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> you used to be a, like a staple of the show. I know. <laughs> I know. Boys, um, we're talking personal training today. I thought it'd be cool to, to sort of go into the journey a little bit because, I don't know, it's been quite a few years that we've been doing this gig front. I know it has for me and I look back in the early days and it's a, it's a wild ride to think about what it was like then to what it is now. How long have you been PTing for, Paulie? I think it's four years now. Is that all? Yeah. I, I started coaching you five years ago and kind of didn't really do PT until a year in. But I have a shady memory. It's about that. It's a dad memory. Azza, how long for you? I'd be coming up on six years now. Okay. Yeah, because I started when I came to, came to Oz. That's a good stint. Yeah. How did you get started? As in, like, why did I try and why did yeah, I move like into wh- it, sort of thing? Yeah, like, what did you do? Did you just, how did you pick up the job? Um, well, I came to Australia and I, I, I made the decision that when I came over here, I was going to change, change career and like try something new. So I got the qualification back in, back at home. And then <clears throat> when I landed here, I just went out looking, for, like, sent out a bunch of CVs on Seek. Um, started getting, I was traveling at the time, so. I remember when we were on the bus back to Sydney, I started getting like a few phone calls, um, booked in a couple of interviews, uh, landed in Sydney, 
um, after traveling for six weeks, done an interview, and it was actually a three-part I- interview sort of thing. But yeah, got that got that job, and that was my first job. That was in Maroubra. Ah, that yeah. was, what was the name of that place? It was called Six X. Six X. Yeah. Sex. Six six six. My mate used to drive a uh, back in the days when it was all about. Um, you know, you just finished high school and everyone's like getting cars and shit. Mm. My mate used to drive a Mazda MX-6 and he had the number plate MX Sex. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Still has it. Still drives <laughs> yeah. it too. That's fucking, what's his name? <laughs> you know him. Musumechi. Um, oh, what? Yeah. Oh, Shout out Anthony Musumechi. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he used to dance. We'd go to this club and he'd dance and he'd be like on a podium dancing and then he'd be like MX Sex. To everybody oh It was like God. his mantra or some shit <laughs> he, he was the first man I met that wore G-bangers <laughs> And, and admitted standard. to it Yeah, He was a, re- a good guy um, <laughs> What made you Why did you want to get into that? Like you hadn't done it in Ireland why, What made you sort of venture into PT here in Australia? Um, well I wanted to do it for a while when I was in Ireland But I was just working another job And sort of making decent money So I was, I was just more like saving up money to go travelling um, and then I just seen it as a good time to transition because it was just a, like a clean slate, new country, new beginning. Just sort of why not change everything up and you know just complete change of career. So um, I sort of held off like diving into it until I came to Oz. Um, yeah, and I thought the the sort of active wear would go well with the weather and that type of thing. So I was like, yeah, I could see myself in some shorts, but you know, like it fit with the, with the image of what you wanted Australia to be for you. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did yeah, you know, like, did you, were you aware of like Eastern suburbs, beach scene, Bondi, nah, PT life kind of vibe? It's funny. Cause when I moved, no, I wasn't. When I moved to, um, when I moved to Sydney, when I went for that interview at the gym, um, I was living in Coogee. I was just like, um, living in with a mate and um, went to the interview, which was in Maroubra. And I was chatting to the guy and he was like, whatever, going through the interview. And then he was like, at, at the end, he was like, oh, where, where are you living? And I was like, oh, I'm living on, um, in Kudji on Mount Street. And he was like, oh, that's just down the road. And I had absolutely no idea of, of where I was, you know, because I was like literally landed in Sydney that day. So I, I thought I was, I thought I was like much further away than, from where I live because I had gone to a few interviews before that. So I'd sort of done a bit of a lap around the city. But uh, yeah, he was like, oh, you're just down the road, like five minutes. I was like, oh, great. Oh, you didn't actually know you were just around the corner nah, from home? No, nah, because I had gone, I remember I went over to like the North Sydney. I went over there for an interview and then I came back. One of my mates that was here just sort of gave me a lift around to, I think I'd done maybe four or five interviews that, that day. And then that was the last one, which ended up just being like around the corner from where I was staying. So Mad. yeah, it was funny. He was like, oh, you're only down the road. I was like, oh, cool. And then I ended up getting the job there, so... And then you were yeah. there for how many? For how long until you came to Jungle Brothers? I was there for just over, I think just over two years. Okay. I've done, I've done, done two years, yeah. How old were you at that stage when you started? When I started, I would have been 25. Right on. 24, 24. Right yeah. on. Yeah. So you haven't hit, you hit 30 yet? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Damn, I must have missed that. Mm. When was that? You were at my 30th. Did we? Oh, of course, it was a surprise party. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I did miss that. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> like crazy night, guys. I'm in bed by 8.30. <laughs> <Yeah>. Loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck, you just came to say hi. That's right. <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, 
Paulie, you your start was probably a bit different, right? Because it was kind of part of you getting like you getting into like being in this gym business and being like, oh, okay, what's the next step for me to kind of make this a career, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very different way to get into it, um, and in many ways, it it's only only grew on me after I had already started, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I was, I came into the business with you guys, um, not so much as a silent partner, but I wasn't working in the business for a number of years. And that's when I started training with you guys, training in the gym, um, but still working in the industry, the film industry. And then um, after I transitioned, um, I started coaching the group classes and then I think it took maybe it was more like six months before you guys were like, "All right, too comfortable there. You've got to go start PTing. <laughs> got to start doing it." And um, yeah, I was nervous coming into the whole thing um, because fucking public speaking is a motherfucker for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and it was really, really hard to kind of see myself as that as that role. Didn't didn't actually see myself as as it, but I had you guys especially who are like, you're going to be really good at it when you, yeah, you've got all the traits and yeah, you kept on pushing me in that direction and stick with a kid, stick with a kid. When you say that with that massage <laughs> and that hair, um, I wish that we had a live video feed here, <laughs> but Joey has, has the hair. And if you've seen his social media, he's got the full, the hair, is it? Uh, fuck it's, I don't know. I, I really think it's like, yeah, it's Lego like seventies porn star. It's like Lego man. It's like, you could just, Remove my hair. You could turn it around. And pop it onto Az's head. Yeah. Um, and then he's got the moustache as well, which l- is, yeah. It's a little baby moustache. It's coming along. It's taken me weeks to get this kind of growth. I, I it's would not a baby moustache at all. I, I, no, it's all right. Yeah. Thanks. I feel a little bit inadequate about it, but I feel like the hair makes up for it. <laughs> In me, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Funny though, a lot of people like, it's, when you change your hair, people like, the response you get from people is so varied. You get a lot of people who are like, that's fucking awesome. I think you're a legend. Like, you should totally do it, you know? And then you get people that are like, why? Why are you doing that? It's almost like they're offended yeah. that you've changed the way you look. As a, Are you a fan of his hair or not? Uh, Which I, one are you? No, I love it. I love it, yeah. yeah. As there is a man of the fashion, of the style, he, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I would expect you would appreciate it. Yeah. You change your shit up. You change your hair quite a bit. I do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like to change it up. Keep people guessing. Keep it fresh. I feel like it's a little bit, if you look back and over the last, let this be a lesson to everyone listening out there. Uh, if you look back over the last five years and you've never changed your hair, I think that's a little bit depressing. It's like you're, it's like you're missing an opportunity to express, you know, to be creative in just one small aspect of your, your life or your appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, um, <laughs> I was going to say diet than your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on, I'm not black, on. bro. It looks better when you're black. Remember, I shaved my head. You did. I shaved my head a while back because I was, I'd never really changed my hair too much up until that point. But um, I shaved my head because I was like, well, if I go bald one day, I want to be like, I want to feel comfortable with the, the fact that I might go bald one day. So I was like, I'm just going to shave it all off, see what I look like, and then hopefully I don't look too bad, and then I'll feel a bit better about like, you know. Oh, yeah, that's mad. <laughs> so I shaved it off and I didn't look. Too bad. So. Shaved it like zero with the clippers or razor? Um, yeah, like a zero with the clippers. Yeah, I, I actually used, it was funny because my hair was short enough at the time, but then I used like a beard trimmer <laughs> and it was, a, it was a hack job. It was really bad. Yeah, it kept getting like, I got my 
I flat yeah, kept getting jammed. My flatmate <laughs> done it. It took us about three hours to to get through the whole thing. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. What did we do to your hair, Paul, when we cut your dreads off? Did you shave it? Was it a shaved head that you had? Yep. Yeah, we shaved it. Might have just been a one. Um, but yeah, it was shaved. Because uh, you, you had to cut it off first and uh, then... It was Paulie. It was New Year's Eve at my place at Bondi, wasn't it? Correct. Paulie sitting on the half pipe, which was in our living room. And it was like, it was a saga. People hacking at your hair to get those fucking dreads off. Like it was a multi-stage process. It wasn't like, a, you just don't yeah, clip that shit. Yeah, you got a scissor it. Yeah, you had to scissor it a fair bit before the razors could even be effective. But that was a great night. Great. Now, tell me, um, with the PT thing, uh, I guess it's it's kind of it's worth mentioning for folks listening that for our business, it was always a very um, it was always a really it was strategic for us to have PT as well as running the gym because when you run a gym, gyms like if you've got three owners in the gym, you don't make a huge amount of money. It's it's very hard to generate a full time wage for three owners who are working full time in this gym. Um, but like it's well let me put that another way it's hard to generate three full-time wages you can generate two you can generate one really good one or two really good ones Um, but so we recognize I think at a point that it was never gonna be the thing for all of us so personal training becomes like this other thing that you can do that allows you to make more money each week and it's I I think in that way it it has to be you know it's, it's very easy to kind of I know for me, after having done it for so many years, it can be easy to look down on it a bit and be like, oh, fuck, I'm sick of PT. And I, I got to admit, I don't, when someone says, what do you do? I don't say, I'm a personal trainer. Like it's not, I don't feel, it's not a job that I'm hugely excited by. But when I look at what it is, where you can work with someone and you can work with people that you really like, you get to spend good time with them, help them with their training, teach them things, and you get paid really well for it. And it helps to remove the pressure off your business so that like multiple people can grow within it at the one time. It's quite an incredible um, tool to have at your disposal. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoy it now. Um, and, you know, I'd still say that I'm kind of a young PT and you're like, man, shut up, you've been PTing for ages. But I, 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 I say that mainly because I still feel like I'm growing I guess, and yeah, my I've been enjoying it more and more every year so far. Um, but yeah, it's also a, a service that comes with the gym business as well um, because a lot of people coming to the gym aren't ready for, for group training, so to speak, and a lot of people have individual goals. It's Yeah, it's a really kind of special thing to do, um, you know, helping people, and it's often not just the training, is it? Um, it's getting to know them. And it's all the other, there's all the other things, psychological, families, basically you're a clinical psychologist um, five days a week, six. That's right. Yeah. Tackle anything. Pretty much. Tell me, tell me your problems. I'll help you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's almost, it's, yeah, it's got to be up there with bartender in terms of helping people deal with their shit. Like you, you just two different approaches. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes you're like this. Fuck it, let's just go to the bar. <laughs> um, tell me about as in your beginning journey, and Paul, I'll ask you the same question. Tell me about some of the inadequacies you had oh, or wow. some of the fuck ups that you made. Undoubtedly, when you're getting into this thing as a young person, yeah. and you do get launched into it pretty quickly, like it's not, the education process is not all that rigorous. 
here in Australia. Yeah. Tell me about some of the, uh, you know, some of the less impressive parts of the journey. Um, uh, the one that sticks, that, that would stick out is like when I first started, just being really eager to impress and um, probably rushing people along a little bit just to, to probably make myself feel better and make them feel a little like, as in, you know, maybe moving them on um, to a progression or through a, through a progression a little bit quicker than I should have, or, um, you know, just so that they would feel like they're making progress. Um, yeah, so that, that was definitely something that I found myself doing a bit early on, just because I was like, like, oh, well, we can't stay on this. Like, if we were doing whatever, like, if we were working on a, I don't know, a push-up or something, like, I'd be, I'd be looking to... Um, yeah, just move them, make that harder as quickly as possible rather than just so that they're like, oh, I've like I've progressed and now I'm doing this thing, like I'm doing a dip now instead of a push-up or whatever, even though they might not have been quite ready to move to that movement. That's um that's something I found myself doing early on. Yeah, because I was I was just worried about maybe oh, I was like, oh, this guy mightn't mightn't think I'm that good if I'm if I'm not if it, you know, if, if he can't see progress. So I was a little bit keen to impress, I think, and I'd done that a few times. Um, yeah, that was one. Of, that's one of the standout things. And then just being another thing is like uh, just overcomplicating programs and just overthinking <laughs> it. You know, that's a big one. Like, yeah. it, I mean, I remember writing massive fucking programs because mm. oh, yeah. yeah. you're just like, I got to address everything yeah. I know about training in this one one hour session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is absurd because yeah, you just. Like, you don't get half it done anyway, but it's just like a, a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, so that was the, they're the, they're the two big ones for me, I'd say, um, that I'd done early on. Like, in those fir- in the first year, anyway, definitely done that a bit. Um, like, nothing bad came of it, but I definitely, I could have, it was just, I didn't have confidence in my, in my method, I suppose. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, the, they they want to be they want to feel like you know they, they they want to see progress here. I have to sort of show. I felt under pressure to to show them that progress. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was really about trying to show like express to them how good you are by being able to like excite the shit out of them at every session. Yeah, yeah, and keep keep things moving along. You know, keep things fresh, not letting things go stale. And yeah, and um, yeah, a bit of that, just like probably. Just over eager, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Paulie? Mm, thinking about it now, a um, bit of that happened for sure. But I was, as we're saying, um, I think that... A lot of spreadsheet redesigns for you, I feel. Oh, so many. New templates. So mm. many. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. How long do you spend on programs in the beginning? Fucking hell. Trying to the get the perfect, perfect spreadsheet. The perfect one. Got to put the borders here. Got to color this cell. Yep. Yes. And then I like this cell to be bold, but this one not bold. I still do a bit of that because I, I love spreadsheets in general. I'm a lot quicker at it. It's in you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're like, you see every little thing that's in the movement screen and you want to have one exercise at least for each one of those. <laughs> have you ever operated without a movement screen? There's a question. Because uh, I fucking I, have. I, 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 well, I had some good tutelage. So I, I had movement screens from the beginning, I remember. Um, Just like for folks, that's like an assessment you would yes, do with someone yep. when they first come to the yeah, gym. Yeah, and f- yeah, so I, I was lucky and I, I learned that in the course and, and everything and I was, so I was aware of that. But I think in the past I have I've probably taken on someone and skipped the movement screen as well because I kind of know them and 
yeah, it just ends up you end up having to screen them as you go anyway, and the progress is slow. Sure, but I think one of the one of the things that stands out to me that I really wasn't across in the beginning was um like uh, providing a good context for the person and telling them hard truths. Basically, um, I find it really difficult. I found it really difficult to do that at the beginning. So, um, well, the truth thing was just like, you know, I'm always, you know me, like eager to please and, you know, make everything fun and cool. So I, you know, everything was cool, but you're not really being an effective coach that way because you're, you need to tell them that this isn't so great and, uh, you know, this deficiency that they have is, is quite serious and, you know, it could have some bad ramifications down the line and or when it comes to nutrition, um, lifestyle habits and having to cross the lines out of the gym into the other areas. I, I didn't touch that for a long time um, just because I just found it awkward to, to cross, but it ends up being like really powerful um, later on. Do um, you think that's a bit of a confidence thing? Like... Or is it just a desire to please? You just don't you don't want to rock the boat, so you're like, oh no, that's fine, kind of. Yeah, and also I didn't really know. I didn't. I think some of it you just need some experience in it, and you know, the more clients you have, the more you kind of see that that works, and the more you're like, oh, that. You know, bridging that little awkward gap there helped a lot with that person, so it gives you permission to ask the next person up front. Yeah. About it. Okay. So okay, on how many drinks is that? All right, okay, so is that with friends? And you, you might go deeper into that because what's going to help them in the gym physically might be there on that side of their life. And you can scratch that, at the, scratch back into that in the movement screen if you, if you really go for it. And you kind of set a, you set that from the beginning that like, hey, we're going to be talking on this level whenever we're together, you know? So I, yeah, I think I was just eager to please at the beginning. And um, it was like, I got this program, let's just do the thing in the gym. And just do the programs, you know, but inevitably you don't get as efficient a result or if any type of thing um, and you potentially lose that person. You just don't serve them as well. Yeah. It's funny thinking about, yeah, you, you started in Jungle Brothers where, you know, and it was early days for us, but we already had a lot of systems in place that for you were just like, Taken as gospel. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, you do a movement screen when, when someone starts. Yeah. I remember when I started PT, I didn't, I didn't even understand the concept of a movement screen or an intro session or anything like that. All I knew was you try and find someone on the gym floor and you give them a free session. And in the free session, you try and beast them so that mm -hmm. they're fucking wrecked. And they're like, oh, it was so awesome. I want to pay you to do it again. And then you're like, got them. You know, that was, that was what I knew. That was like the formula. And I remember I had, I wonder, I, I wonder if I told this story on the podcast before, God, it still makes me cringe. A guy came in, I was working at Anytime Fitness, guy comes in, um, young dude worked in hospitality, like it's probably about, I don't know, probably would have been like mid twenties or something. Um, not a real, not a real gym looking guy, like kind of like a surfy sort of looking dude. And he's like, oh man, like I want to get fit and start training and was like hyper motivated. And uh, I'm like, yeah, man, I can help you out. Like I'm, I'm frothing on the inside because I'm like, oh my God, like this guy wants to do like a session a week kind of thing, which is a big deal when you're starting. You're kind of just sitting around fucking on your phone the whole time. And um, he said, could you train me now? Could we start right now? <laughs> and I'm like, man, fucking A, we can start right now. <laughs> Grab that barbell over there. Let's rip in. So of course, 
I'm, I'm like, I'm going to take this guy through what I'm doing. So I'm like, we're doing barbell work. I was doing a bunch of CrossFit at the time, heaps of deadlifts and Olympic lifting. And so I'm like, well, that's what we're going to do. And we're using this. I'd been training with this kind of barbell kind of weightlifting coach. And he always just had us do this standard barbell warm up. We used to use it in the gym where it's like empty bar, five deadlifts, five front squat, overhead press, back squat. Um, I think that was it, you know, two or three rounds of that kind of thing. It's good, you know, like as a general kind of thing. And, uh, and the guy says to me, you know, he grabs a bar, brings over, he's like, oh man, just thought I'd let you know, um, I got a bit of a dicky shoulder, I've dislocated it a bunch of times, but it's good now. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, do you feel like, is, is there anything that you want to avoid? He's like, no, no, I'm good. Okay, cool, let's go. So I'm like, mate, um, grab the bar, we'll just do a little warm up and then we'll get into it. So uh, get me five deadlifts, now do a deadlift. Uh, yeah, yep, that looks pretty good, it's good enough. Yeah, and then you can put the bar here, five front squats. Cool, and then overhead press for five and then put on your back and he's like, okay, no worries. And uh, the guy does the thing and it's all, you know, it's not, whatever, it's fine. As he moves from the overhead press to bring the bar down onto, into the re- onto his back, his fucking shoulder pops out. Oh my God. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh shit, oh my shoulder's gone. Take the bar, take the bar. Oh no. <laughs> Oh fuck, I feel terrible. And I'm in the middle of the gym, right? It's a, it's a pretty small gym and this poor guy's like, take the bar, take the bar. I take the bar and he's like, oh fuck, my shoulder's out. And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, like I don't know what to do, right? Clint Hill, good friend, been on the show before. Shout out to Clint if you're listening. Um, he was my PT manager. This was at, this was at the gym. And uh, like he was the boss at the PTs. And I'm like, oh Clint, fuck, man, this dude's shoulders just popped out. Clint's like, man, I fucking, I've put heaps of shoulders back in because he comes from a rugby union strength conditioning background. So he's, you know, he's worked with a lot of injuries on the sidelines and stuff. So it's like, I can sort it out. It's like, just grab a bench. Yep, get me that bench. Put the bench here. Okay, old mate, yep. Lie down on the bench. There's like some drill where you can like relocate the shoulder. Anyways, trying to relocate this thing for like 10, 15 minutes and it won't pop back in. Turns out the guy's dislocated his shoulder like 10 times in the past. So his joint's just super lax. Anyway, he's in like a lot of pain while all this is going on. And I'm just like, oh, I fucked up. Anyway, I call an ambulance. The only option was, I'm going to have to call an ambulance for this guy. We can't get his shoulder in. Ambulance comes. Dude fucking takes off. The guy paid me. I think the guy paid for like a handful of sessions. Oh my God. And uh, I, I didn't even get his number. That's how fast I moved through the whole thing. I didn't even have his phone number. He was off at hospital. Never saw him again. Fuck. Filter. Oh, the cash. Well, I was like, I hope that guy comes back. But I had no contact for the guy. I didn't, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, he didn't even fill out a waiver. It was just cowboy shit. And I'm like, looking back at that now, it is so irresponsible. But at the time, it just, it was just what was going on. You know, he just strolled into the gym, wanted to get started. I was like, yeah, let's go. Barbell warm up, go goosh. <laughs> Awful. Fucking hell. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to those out there that, Fuck that, man. You don't want that to happen. God, I still feel terrible for that guy. I hope he's been successful with his training journey since. But that could have scarred, you know, like in reality, that could have scarred him from the whole training experience for a long time. Fucking hell. I'd feel horrible. <laughs> I could not handle that on my, yeah. Um, you said that you had a... Yeah, I had a... Because we're talking about worst experiences now <laughs> yeah i had a bad one it wasn't so funny it was more brutal <laughs> like that was that was that was brutal but it was a bit funny as well um so was, huh how bad is it gonna be oh no it's fine it's fine i was so i was training at the old gym 
And um, your old gym or our gym? Uh, the, the 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 one in Maribra. Oh yeah, yeah. And, Sex um, fitness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sex health and fitness. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I was training this girl. She was a she's actually a doctor. She's like an elderly, sort of maybe mid, like probably late forties. Um, so I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years, bro. Yeah, that's why I made sure I said late 40s. I was going to say Elderly. mid 40s for a sec. Yeah. I was like, oh, better not. I'll be sitting beside me here. Um, no, so she was about late 40s, maybe touching 50. and um, But she was really fit and really capable. And, and I'd been training her for a little while. Um, and we were working on front levers, right? Of course. Yeah. All right. Because she wanted to do the, the body weight thing. Like, that's why she started training with me is she wanted to get into this style of training or explore it a little bit so we were doing a front lever on the bar and um, it was grand and then so she was holding her front lever or whatever it wasn't the first time she'd done it and what she'd done was she held it for whatever length of time and she was coming down she from, was in a tuck or something yeah she was in a tuck yeah she yeah. was like doing a tuck front lever and then she sort of maybe went a little bit too long as in like maybe held it for 20 seconds and she probably should have held it for you know 12 or 15 and um so she was pretty tired by the end of that rep and she came down and you know the way normally if you're coming out of a front lever you would just sort of like pop down onto the ground like you'd sort of lower your legs and then you'd sort of land on your feet and walk out of it so what she done was she came down but didn't um extend her legs or she did extend her legs but a little bit too late so instead of her feet hitting the floor her legs continued to go back and then she face planted onto the floor <laughs> and um, it was the scariest one of the it was probably the scariest thing like I shot myself I was because I was standing behind her and the noise off her she hit the ground with her with her uh, teeth like with her with her face yeah oh like straight onto the ground and she didn't move initially and I was like oh my god and I was like I went over to see I was like and then she sort of stood up and there was blood on her, um, there was blood all over her mouth. And I was like, oh my God, she's like broken her nose, smashed her teeth, all the rest. And um, yeah, it was, it was so scary. But then it turned out that it wasn't that bad. I don't know how, like, I don't know how it wasn't worse. But I think she just like, yeah, I don't even think she like lost a tooth or anything like that. It was just like, she, she cut the inside of her, or like her, uh, like above her front teeth. She cut her gum. Oh no, what happened was her tooth went through her lip. That's what happened. Mm. So it burst the lip and that's where the blood was coming from. Right. But her nose was good, her teeth were good. Um, and yeah. Oh, that was poor it. thing. Yeah, it was terrible, yeah. yeah. But I can only imagine it would have been like a slingshot action. Oh, it was. Because she would come down, because you got all this like yeah. ab tension. Yeah. And then the legs would have like swung back and she oh. like, and she probably. Yeah. Like, it's sort of, it's one of those ones that still sends shivers down my spine because um. It was the noise of it, and there was there was like there was a bit of momentum there, and it was, and then she yeah I can still remember that she was just lying like, like that on the floor face down for probably about four seconds before Kate, everyone was just Kate. like, oh shit, and then went over and she was yeah she ended up she was fine like, um, but that was a bad one. Fuck. Yeah. I was wondering I was wondering why you wear a mouth guard whenever you train front levers. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I get on my clients and I, as well. I vowed from that day forward never again <laughs> <laughs> and she never came back and trained with me after that never nah she came back into the gym and like done her own thing but um yeah I think she was a bit scared after that one uh, but we we like talked and, like we didn't you know we still talked and stuff but yeah 
she took a while off, and I think that was wasn't like too long before I left left that gym. But um, yeah, that was a shocker. Oh yes, mm. doesn't ah. get much worse than that, really. Like, well, it does. She could have like broke her nose and all that, but it was bad. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, Polly, care to share? No, I don't have anything. Don't have anything? No, I, you know, I definitely doesn't want to tarnish his perfect record. Tweet. No, no, there was a group training incident, which I'll share briefly. Um, but no, I've, you know, PT wise, you know, strained back. Nothing major. Yeah, nothing major. Maybe shouldn't have gone up too heavy, like those sorts of things. But nothing as spectacular as those two stories. But I did have that incident um, very early on when we were in this gym uh, and it just opened up and I had um, a lady blow her Achilles in my warm-up. Do you remember? I do remember. Yeah. I do and, remember. Um, fuck, I felt so, so bad. Um Felt so so bad for that lady because and I, and and later on I would learn when I blow blew my own Achilles, maybe the following year can't quite remember the timeline, like how how bad that is. But at the time it looked freaking horrible, and she was in excruciating pain. She was extremely tough. I think she might have been Irish. She was a real tough nurse, and she she, she, she kept on telling me that she was fine. She was absolutely fine, but she was just. With, her, with pain in her face and quivering in her lips. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just bringing my daughter's going to pick me up. And I could just see it. And the ankle itself looked just horrible. It was, yeah, it was just blew up. And um, we helped her out. And anyway, it was, it was a bit of a scene. That I mean, yeah, that's awful. And that was, you know, I suppose to, to give it a bit of context, that was one of those, I mean... We did identify there were things that could have contributed to it in terms of what was happening in the class at the time. Yeah. But it was also more, really it was just a freak accident. Yeah, it was an accident. And it's one of those things that unfortunately can happen in the training environment, like you blowing your Achilles, mm. which wasn't in here. But that shit just does happen. You know, me tearing my ACL, it was like, wasn't anything I was doing, you know, that I could have done differently to be safer in that at that time. It's just what happened. So However, like, for Azza and I, there's totally things we could have done differently. <laughs> Looking back, it's like, yeah, fuck. If I, if I had have had a proper introductory process to take a new client, get to know them, do a movement screen, onboard them into the style of training and actually assess their injuries, not just asking, well, what are you doing? The guy's like, oh, I blew my shoulder. And then for me to go, oh, well, let's do an overhead press into a back squat. Like, you know, now <laughs> I would know, well, if they've got a shoulder problem, you're not going to have them overhead pressing and then putting a bar behind their head mm. yeah like that is just ridiculous um your one maybe is also a little bit of a Excellent. like that's yeah like yeah yeah a little bit like in hindsight definitely stuff i could have done like i could have made sure that she you know knew but she it wasn't the fir her first time doing it. like she had come out of it i don't know a bunch of times before like no problem but it was yeah so it was a little bit of a freak a uh, little bit of a freak accident yeah but Still, like, I actually, at the time, I didn't even see that as a possibility, you know? Like, just missing the floor with your feet and continuing to, to rotate. Like, yeah, didn't even see it as, like, a danger. I don't think you could replicate that again. Nah. Like, it's a, yeah, it sounds like a freak incident. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Poor thing. So, I guess, like, you know, the couple of things there for us, like, talking about having an onboard process and having an introductory thing, these are obviously for... For a personal trainer coming into the game, that is what we would now consider like 
non-negotiable and absolute essential item yeah. is to have some kind of process that you follow. Um, we don't need to go into the, the details of that because we do that in other podcasts and that's, that's a thing. But, but it's just it's interesting how we – I don't know whether it's the, the, the state of the industry at the time when we got into it or if it's just kind of the nature of the game that sometimes you can be oblivious to these things and then it's not until someone tells you, hey, do you have like a, an onboarding process that you use? And, and it might not be until someone asks that that you're like, oh, no, fuck, I never did. Mm. You know, um, I, I think that is, it just, it saves you so much trouble. Like you were saying, Polly, with your programming and shit, it just sets it off on the right foot. It saves the person, the client from potentially getting injured or anything like that. Like it makes sure that they start the journey in the most responsible and kind of, you know, safe way. Yeah. But the other thing that it does, which I think is often overlooked, is that it makes them buy into the training process with you to a much higher degree because there's like this barrier to entry. Mm. It's, you're not able to just come and start training with me. If you want to train with me, you have to jump through these hoops, which are we sit down and talk, we go through all these movements, ask you a bunch of questions, do some tests. And then once we've gotten through that, which whatever, it might be 30 minutes, it might be three hours of work over a few sessions, then we can start the training. And for people starting out, if you make people jump through some hoops, you know, in a responsible and kind of, caring way like that it usually makes them stick around for longer yeah i i feel like looking back at the beginning i had a lot of clients come and go whereas now that I, no one does that like mm. i think i my processes around coaching and also the vibe that i put out just only invites people who are going to stick around for a little while yeah that was kind of what i was talking about with um what i think i was doing wrong at the beginning Sure, and um, just jumping into the process. Yeah, I had a movement screen, but, um, you know, I just got a program and we were just kind of training. It was a very short-sighted way of looking at things, if you know what I mean. And, yeah, I, I did part with a few people uh, in the early days for sure. But now my, my screen and that whole screening process, which, you know, you're always screening, I guess, whenever you're, whenever you're training them. But so, yeah, in the first getting to know them kind of month or so, um, and, and especially that first screen, I've made it more rigorous than ever before in those other areas that I um, that are not to do with training. Um, but, yeah, just having it really rigorous. I, can, I mean, you're getting to know them intimately, and if, you, if, if you're looking at training, you're talking health, and if you're talking health, you're talking lifestyle, sleep, food, stresses, and all those other factors. So I just find, yeah getting to know all the intimate details one helps you helps you to serve them better and get to what you need to get to earlier and two it's that like you said it's the buy into the process it's like oh shit he wants to know all of that and oh how old my kids are and all that sort of thing oh yeah fuck that is really relevant to what we're doing here so you're both on a mission from the outset um and it just works really well you know, there's a just thinking back, like there's a real difference in in obviously the culture, say here at our gym, versus when I was working in Anytime Fitness in the city. In terms of the personal training piece, it's really hyper competitive over there, and we've spoken about this before with T. He worked in Fitness First, where it was like crazy competitive. They got this huge crew of personal trainers who are all competing. So any new like any new members to the gym that are on the floor are like it's feeding time 
and the I P- would, PTs are out there trying to nab clients. I would destroy them right now. You think? I would fucking destroy them right now. But here's the thing. I mean, I think you would have a good and chance. I've never been there, but... But the thing is, is <laughs> that people buy... They, the, the, the culture, being as it is, starts to cultivate a certain attitude amongst the clients the, or the potential clients, the members of the gym, where they're like, oh, well, I'll do a session with you and then I'm going to try you next time and I'm going to... I remember coaching people who are like, I want to try a session with you. I've trained with so-and-so and and what can you offer me kind of thing. Yuck. And you're like, well, I can offer you, um, (laughs) let's do overhead press into back squat. It's going to be great. As a shoulder, you know, like I'd be like, oh, I can do the crazy shit. Check this out. We're going to do the burpees, then you're on the treadmill, then fucking, you know, (laughs) try not to die. And they'll be like, that session was electric. (laughs) But but like you get caught up in this thing. I remember training a guy who, who like that and he was like, and it was like I was competing against these other personal trainers who I didn't know to get him as a client. And he's like in the I'm just fucking beasting this dude. I'm just like, I'm gonna give this guy an hour of pain. There is no rest periods. It is <laughs> I don't give a fuck what it is, we're doing it. <laughs> and I'm like yeah, what it is. <laughs> and I'm like and this guy, this guy's like dying. He he was a big, strong um he was from Fitness First Darlinghurst. Big bear looking guy was like bald with the big beard, tight little shorts. And he's like, uh, I've had all the personal trainers and what can you do? And anyway, so I'm laying it all out there and he's like dying in the middle. And he's like, oh, this is the best session. He's like, I'm retaining you for sure. Oh, I'm retaining you. And I'm like, shut retaining. up and give me more. Baby. Yeah, that was the word he was using. And I'm like, sick, I'm going to get paid. And, <laughs> but it was like, but just thinking about that, the whole, that whole, like now I'd be like, mate, shut up. Like, I'd be like, hey, fucking slow down, relax. And if you can't, I'm not the trainer for you. You should go train with, Absolutely. you know, I'll send you to whoever. Cause there's, you know, there's plenty of coaches that want to do that. Yeah. Um, my outlook now is so different. Like I would, I would never play that game and we don't have anything like that here. Um, have you ever, did you ever experience anything like that as at, at uh, MXX? Um, uh, not r- not like that, like <laughs> sort of, not in the same way because it wasn't um, we weren't working for ourselves within the business. We were working for the for the gym, and um, so we got clients sort of given to us. But there was there was a, the the culture in there was to smash people, like you know it was there were by default they were all thirty minute sessions, and um, I think it was based roughly on the vision model, you know, yep. lots of lots of volume through the gym, thirty minute sessions, get in get a sweat on, get as much work in as you can, and then um, next person. Yeah. And um, so there was, yeah, it was definitely like when I went in, I felt like when I went in there, all, a lot of the coaches and even the owner of the gym in there was just beasting everyone. Um, and that was like his thing, literally, like exactly like you said, like no rest times, just standing over the person all the time, just trying to squeeze every ounce of energy <laughs> <laughs> out of them. My man. And I was, yeah. I wasn't like that at all. I was lucky. Like the the school, I, the PT school I went to was very like they were very they were very heavy on the practical side of uh, coaching and the technical side of it, and they put a big emphasis on like quality and setting high standards and being a good coach. And um, so when I went in there, I was like, I brought that with me. And what PT school was that? Because that sounds exceptional. It was um, the elite. What was it called? Elite. Elite Sports and Fitness Fitness Academy in Black Rock in Dublin. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was really really good, and um, yeah, they they turn out lots of lots of good PTs. Like they're um, 
they're very good. But um, yeah, so there was a bit of that, but I didn't fall too much into it, but maybe a little bit early days, but then um, I, when I sort of settled in a bit, I was able to, because there was no pressure to like get clients. I, I had clients, um, you know, sort of given to me or I had the opportunity to like sit down with a client and try and um, sell them onto a membership. Um, so yeah, there wasn't like that pressure like you had. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Just that one change from the way that the gym runs it, mm. whereby you employ like employees are you know assigned to a to a PT session, that removes the competitive aspect. Not to say that that's the, that's you know the only way to do that because here it's like every PT is for themselves, but we still don't have that competitive aspect. It's just a different vibe. Yeah, but it is interesting. Yeah, how how the culture that the 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 establishment sets can determine what the experience is like down on that member's level. Yeah, yeah. Paul, you never fucked with anything like that. Like, did you ever have, did you ever feel that drive to like beast people and show them how fucking hard it could be and why they needed to keep paying you? Not like the way you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that image of a big, big bear in tight shorts saying, I'm retaining you now <laughs> in between burpees yeah. gasping for air. I'm retaining you. I'm ah. retaining you. Never, never heard from him again, by the way. He probably left and had a heart attack. Like a, but that's the absurdity of it is that for all that, there was no, you know, there was no business to be had. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a funny thing. I mean, I'd like to think that it's changed in that commercial scene somewhat since then, but I've got no fucking idea. I haven't set foot in, a, in one of those gyms for so long. Who actually knows? I hope it's changed. You know, yeah, I have so know, too. It should have evolved, um, but no, I you know, I I just thought I'd, for the listeners, I do beast people though, in a responsible, in a way. responsible way when the time's right for sure. When when it's part of what we're doing, I will beast them. And just for the members, if they're listening, it's beast season. New bodyweight program starts next week, and oh yeah, I'm turning up the flames. What uh, what month is it right now? November. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry to steal your line there, but as has dropped that one on us when we walked up to the coffee shop, never heard it before. It was original. Oh, you came up with that. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Next year. Yeah, He's a real wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a here's another one. Here's another um area that I was just completely blind to when starting that I think is super important that we now probably take for granted again, like like all these things, which is taking payments from the person, having a system for transacting with them. And, and a system starts with like them asking you like, okay, how do we do this? And you being able to say, oh, well, this, these are my terms. This is how I like to work. This is how you're going to pay me. This is how much I charge. Here are my packages or my prices or whatever. I had none of that shit in the beginning. I remember people saying to me, and this was the same with the Jungle Brothers classes that I was running in the park where it was like people would come down, they'd do it, like someone referred them, they'd come try a class. Oh, that was fucking awesome, like at the end of class. That was so awesome. And I'd be like, great, do you want to join? And they'd be like, I do. How do I join? And I'd be like, well, when you get home, jump on our website, junglebrothers.com, and sign up there and then I'll see you at training tomorrow. And they'd be like, okay. And I'd never see them again. <laughs> and, I, f and for the longest time, I'm like, and these people just don't want it. Like, Wakey. yeah, these, you know, what the fuck? Uh, I thought we had a good time. And same thing with the PT aspect. I remember coaching people. We'd do a free session, right? I'd beast them. It'd go well. 
they would want to retain my services and they'd be like, how can I pay you? And I'd be like, don't worry about it. We can figure that out later. Let's just get you booked in. When am I going to see you next? All right, see you then. And it would be like, I don't know. I'm sure there's like hundreds of sessions I ran where I just didn't get paid for it because I never had a fucking system for, to do it, which is absurd, right? Because as we know, it's really nice that these people, you know, that a bunch of people might've got free sessions, but as we know, people, res- people value something that they pay for. So by getting them to pay for the sessions, they bring more focus and more dedication to the session because they're like, I've paid for this, there's money attached to it, which means they get what they came there for. So it is, you know, whatever your views around like helping people and, and asking for money in exchange are, it's actually a really integral part of the whole process of, being, of them being successful. I've known that from the start because I was taught well, but I still like fucked up actually implementing it from time to time. Just lagging with... Yeah, just lagging. Send me the invoice? Yeah, being a bit unorganized uh, or, you know, based on the personality of the person, um, you know, it's not an easy sale or an easy walk through the process or not fully bought in before I've met them, then you kind of like don't want to cross that line and, and mention it and make it a little awkward. Because I've, you know... I Don't want to rock that boat. Yeah, and I've, I've been, in the past, I've been pretty crap with conversations about money. and Actually, a lot of people are, sure, um, especially when you're in that space where you're helping them, as you said. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I have messed that up in the past. Yeah, it's probably the same for a lot of young PTs starting out. I think it's just because, you know, you're obviously... It goes back to that thing of being eager to impress... And you're eager to get some clients and some pay, some pay, paying clients under your belt, but um, you probably you're trying to give off the vibe that you you know aren't stuck for cash and you're you know you're busy and you're just like oh, yeah you know we'll just sort that out whenever like just just let's get you booked in and then we'll and then we'll figure the rest out later. So it's probably just a little bit of that trying to trying to trying to trying to play it cool, bit of a flex, That's and me. and being unprofessional at the same time because yeah, you should have those things in place. You know, if you're a legit if you're a legit business, like it's just standard procedure. So, um, but yeah, I'd say like a lot of young a lot of PTs starting out don't have that stuff from the get go. Um, yeah, and just sort of you know sort of pick it up as they go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I'm blown away that it, it was actually never once mentioned in the PT course that I did, which I did quite a good one with the, some fucking Institute Memorable. of Fitness or something Yeah, in North Sydney. Um, it was expensive in, in relation to all of the courses that were on offer. So I'm like, oh, this one's good, you know. Um, but they didn't, there was no mention of that. And so it's kind of, um, it's wild that you can end up equipped, apparently, to go and start in this industry, yet no one has spoken to you about one of the most basic functions of a business which is to be able to process a transaction between customer and business yeah yeah do you think that that like that thing where you don't want to bring it up is it's like partly you don't want to show that you're stuck for cash kind of thing like you're not trying to give off that vibe but you also have your own reservations about money and you're kind of projecting that onto the situation um yeah yeah definitely i think well, for me anyway, like when I started, I had no experience in sales, like, you know, one-on-one face-to-face sales. Um, so yeah, anytime it came to, just when it comes around to that time in the conversation where where there's that exchange, you're just trying to, yeah, like Paul said, you don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. And you're just trying to, yeah, because it tends to always happen at the end of the 
conversation as well. So you're just trying to, I guess, finish the conversation on a on a smooth on a smooth kind of um, level and and uh, worry about that later. So yeah, and and at the end of the day, like people pay a lot of money to train with us, and um, I think it takes a while to sort of maybe at the start you you know you maybe don't quite value yourself that much and um yeah there's a bit of hesitancy asking for that asking for the money what's your what's your system now i know you you do it a little bit differently to what i do and i'm not sure what paul does how do you charge your people how do i charge them i um when someone signs up i offer them direct ever um so i i set them up on a direct ever and they get charged the friday before um that next week so if they are doing two sessions a week that payment comes out on a friday sort of like thursday midnight friday morning um for the week ahead so that they're in they're in credit for those sessions yeah yeah and then i have and that's like to give myself a bit of protection and also so that they're committed to the you know to the sessions as well because they've already paid for them um so and then if if there's I have like a twenty four hour cancellation policy which is pretty which is pretty standard across the industry I think and so if yeah if, if someone cancels late um you know obviously I don't do it all the time but if someone cancels late for whatever reason then they get charged for that session yeah yeah I like that I think that's super neat I mean it's the same as how we more or less how we run memberships in the gym isn't it it's clean there's no maintenance it just happens automatically yeah yeah correct. What do you what do you do, Polly? Uh, look, I don't have that many clients at all at the moment. Um, just with COVID and you know running the gym and stuff. Not trying to sound desperate or anything. Uh, yeah. So if you get yeah, if you need training, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't reach out. Yeah, I've, yeah. But I've got my core group and it's uh, pay up front in blocks. Um, so they play direct debit, and I've got quite a good relationship with all the people that I've got. So they they direct debit to the account uh, in credit. Um, same way that as does, but uh, next year I'm changing my model to direct debit, at least for part of my business, the small group part of it. Yep. Yeah, nice. You're gonna run that through the Alliance software. That's the plan. Boosh, Hell boosh. yeah. 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 I, I, I want to use that too. That's the piece of software we're building, which is part of the Jungle Alliance. I'm the same. I want to do that because yeah, the, it's it's if you don't have a direct debit thing, then there at least it means that there's going to be more admin on your end, isn't, doesn't it? Yeah. I've got, a, I invoice people, but I invoice them at the start of the month and it works pretty well, but I have to do it at the beginning of the month, sit down and do my invoices yeah, and send them out and whatever, if for some reason it's busy and I don't get to it and sometimes it's like, oh fuck, I'm, I'm late on the invoices and then you're like chasing old ones and yeah. whereas a direct debit just takes all of that out of the equation, doesn't it? Yeah, and from... For me, when I started here was was when I started, you know, working for myself. Um, I didn't have a direct debit system in place for the first, I don't know, maybe four months or something like that, and um, it created a lot of like stress for me, like financially, just with the way that my the the way that the money was coming in. Like it was, it wasn't clear how much I was earning. Like I was busy, so I was like, I'm doing like lots of sessions here, but sometimes it would feel. It would feel like I wasn't get, I wasn't making much money at all, and I was like, "Fuck, when's this? Like, I must be due. Uh, like, like when's this gonna come in? It's 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 coming. I just don't know when." And uh, and then I'm, I some weeks I'd get like you know a bunch of payments, and I'd be you know it'd be great, and then the next week it's like very little, and there was no consist there was no consistency to it. Call the boys. So it was. Um, we got paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we going out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, so putting a direct debit system in place just like took just got rid of all that stress, and and I know now what I'm gonna. I know now what I'm earning each week, which is great. That's the way I like to I like to have it, so I can get all you know all my sh- stuff in order. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, the cash flow thing is a real consideration, isn't it? Yeah, it was terrible at the start. Yeah, and I think for folks listening, it's like you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah, I never wanted to switch to say what you do as in the past because I never wanted to tie myself in that. Like I, I'm, I've been very non-committal with my PT in recent years, so I like being able to go. Oh, hey guys, like I'm not going to be here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I'll just knock it off your next invoice. You know, and I can just like fix it up on the fly. Mm. Whereas if I was like going super solid and going, I'm going to make this a focus of my of my work, mm. then I think I would definitely switch to something. I would have switched to something like that sooner. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me about the this this epidemic uh, part of PT life, which is coaching all the fucking time, taking sessions in the morning, sessions in the night. And then being exhausted as fuck and running yourself into the ground. I would argue that this is perhaps one of the most common sort of uh, downsides to PT life. And one of the things that probably makes most personal trainers quit. Because they burn out and then that kind of flows onto them not running a successful business. And then they ultimately just go, this, this isn't working for me. Have you guys gone through that stage? Yeah. I have definitely gone through that stage. I feel like I'm probably still a little bit in that stage, if I'm honest. Um, still do quite a bit, and I still do double. I do split shifts every day. Um, but it's gotten better, as in when I started, I was doing 30-minute sessions as by default, and I'd, I might have 10 sessions of a morning, which is crazy. And then I'd be back in that, that evening doing maybe, I don't know, five or six more Wow, thirty-minute sessions. So that was really, really hard. Um, whereas now my day might look like three, maybe four sessions in the morning with a break in between. You know, the two sessions. Or sorry, with a, like a break in the middle, and then it would be some maybe three sessions in the evening or something like that. So, yeah, it's much more condensed. Like uh, I'm, I've scheduled it nicely, so it's like very manageable. So I've I sort of come in get the morning shift done within sort of four hours and then uh, and then I'm back in the evening for two or three sessions which is it's like it's definitely sometimes I feel tired like sometimes I feel like it's probably a little bit too much um but yeah I struggle with that a bit because I feel like it's not a very hard job to do like at least physically I, I don't know I, I'm probably an old it's an old school way of thinking for me but um yeah I'm, I'm like oh he could be working I don't know like as a laborer or something where you're just like working physically hard all day every day um and so if i'm only doing say four hours like if i was to just do what some pts do which is work just a morning shift and have more time to myself um i just feel a little bit yeah like i could be doing more with my you know yeah yeah i I battle with that all the time but i've got definitely gotten better at it but um i wouldn't say i'm great at it yet you're not out of the woods yet no I guess to, to, to paint the picture, you're probably also, I think you've been, you've been intentionally hustling a bit. Yeah. You, you know, you got, you, you headed back home at some point soon. Yeah. That's the thing as you well. Got, like you I got came, your little girl, like. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my mindset coming over here was like to come over for, well, initially a year, but it was to come over, work hard, make some money, 
you know, save up a little bit and then um, go home, which um, I'm going to be doing soon. But yeah, it's just six years later. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm still working hard, but like, I like to work hard and I like to, I like to be busy. Um, and I love what I do as well. So it's not like I'm like when I have to come back into the gym in the evening, I'm never like, I'm never dragging myself to come back or I'm never like, oh, I wish I didn't maybe the odd time, but like, not really. Like I'm, I'm happy to come back and hang out at the gym and do a few sessions. And like, it's, a, it's, yeah, I feel very lucky to do, to do what I do for work. Um, so, but having said that, I have noticed like recently that, um, I'm at the stage now in my business where I should be, I should be starting to take a step back and start, start to take the next step in the business, but myself take a little step back from coaching and start to work more on the business um, if that, that's what I would need to do if I was to take move strong to the next, to the next level, whatever that may be, like my own space or whatever, um, or online or whatever it is, but I would need to step away from coaching in order to do that. The only reason I haven't done that is because, um, I'm going to be moving, I'm going to be moving home next year. So I'm sort of like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, you know, pretty much up until, um, up until I go home. Because when I go home, it's going it's to be the, the start of the next chapter then. Which, I, and, and that all makes sense. I suppose there's, there's also the case that if you didn't want to change anything, you, didn't, you wouldn't have to, right? Like, like you're saying, like yeah. you enjoy it, you, you feel very lucky to do it, you make good money. It's like, um, we know people who are, who are just like lifelong PTs. Yeah. You know, and for, and, and for some of them, they're like, I fucking love it. I don't want it to change. Yeah. And that's mad. But yeah, you, you know, if you do have desires to open your own gym or expand in some way, yeah. you know, digital, personal, whatever, um, then I guess, yeah, you, you have to eventually make some decisions around moving away from the coaching piece, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, brah? What about me? You are a little bit different for you because you got a lot on your plate in terms of classes at the gym. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But you get a bit of... Schedule-wise. But yeah, you got a bit of like early morning PT yeah, and do. then classes I at do. nine shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not ideal. I'm still in that stage. Um, just with the way that the, the gym's set up, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the floor in the evenings. Um, um, and I, I enjoy, I love the, the energy of the evenings and those are the classes. Like I want to be around on the members and stuff and be on the pulse in the evenings and that sort of thing. But at the same time, and I think it's kind of the nature of the fucking job. Like there is morning time to train and evening time to train for the majority of um, the people that you serve because of work hours and whatnot. So you do get stretched and, and I also enjoy training people in the mornings and being here in the mornings. So I have a bit of uh, front and back end of the day, but a couple of long days and, um, and yeah, it's always a struggle. Um, but if you kind of recognise that it's kind of part of the fabric and, and you, if you approach it like a, a job and there is lots of other benefits to it as well and you run your own schedule and things can change mm. if you want it to, then, yeah, it's, it's also very good. Um, but, yeah, that... Um, and going to the, to the tiredness thing, yeah, it's a it's everyone does it, and um, it can it can you can it's not like you learn it once and then you kind of you're clear you never do it again. Sometimes you can catch yourself just booking a session here, a little pick up there, and and then all of a sudden you find yourself freaking with your eyeballs hanging out your head. 
because you've just had two really long back-to-back days and you're like, fuck, I don't think I can do these deadlifts this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to train Sabo. Um, but yeah, it can happen really, really easily. Um, it's human nature, isn't it? Just to keep to chase the next, to chase the next thing. It is. And I think if you're in, if you're early on in the journey, then you just got to take what you can get. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and what you, and taking what you, what you can get means that people are going to like the, the, the prospect or the person you're talking to, they're going to dictate when you book them. Yeah. So they're going to say, oh, well, I can come in before work at 5.30 in the morning. And you're like, I'll be there. Mm. And then someone else like, oh, I can do morning or evening. You're like, well, I'm busy at 5.30. Like, oh, I'll come in at 6 p.m. Yeah. And you're like, great. And it's just like, fuck. Whereas once you, I think once you get a bit more, like extraneous circumstances, I think for Paul, right? You're the manager of the gym. It's like, you're in a bit of a, between a rock and a hard place right now with it. So it's like, okay, I got to cop this for a little while until I can negotiate a way out of it. Um, as a few, I think it's more of a strategic decision. You're like, this is not ideal for like, say my energy, but it is ideal for, for what I'm trying to do right now here in Sydney for my family. Yeah. And, and, and you also do it at a, in a way that like, I mean, the fact that you've been able to do it for as long as you've been doing it means that it is sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've like, I've done, I've, I've made it better as I went through, like, I remember at the start I would have, I would be doing more, lots of morning sessions and then I'd even have, like if someone wanted to train, remember some days I had like lunchtime sessions where I'd go home after the morning session, maybe I've got two hours to kill at home or I get something to eat or whatever. And then I'd come back into the gym for like one session, you know, for like an hour, do that session, back home again and then back in in the evening for like the third um, little shift. And yeah, so you're like that, you're, at the start you're sort of, yeah, you're just trying to get as much, well, I was anyway, just trying to get as much experience as I could and just see as many people as I could and learn from, because there's so many different types of people that you, you know, you, you get to train. And I think it, early on, that's really important just to get, exp- to have that exposure. Um, but now, like recently I've, I've taken, I've um, like, I obviously don't do lunchtime sessions or anything. I've, I've recently dropped the, just at the start of lockdown, I dropped my Saturday morning classes, which I was doing at JB's. Um, which I'd wanted to do for a while, so now it gives me a little bit of a longer weekend, and then I've, I don't do any um, coaching now on a Monday morning either. So I've got like a, you know, a sort of two and a half day. I've got Saturday, Sunday, most of Monday, um, yeah, to sort of you know be at home and have some time off and do do whatever I want. So I've got a more condensed week, which is which is nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. I um, man, I think like I for me the. The last couple of years have been exceptional because we've had COVID lockdown. So it's kind of changed the, the workscape a little bit. But it wasn't that long ago that I was doing that I'd do six days a week all the time. And I think I've just been doing that forever. And then as soon as I stopped doing six days, I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. And Paul, yeah. you kind of put the idea first in my head when you're like, fuck, I, you know, I got the kids at home. I want to, you know, I've got to be there. Like, I just want to mm. get the weekends free. And it's like, fuck, that can't be too much to ask. But it's very, like I, I used to do, I'd teach a class in the morning and then on a Saturday and then I'd do like three PT sessions up until like one o'clock. You know, and then you're here and you're like, oh, I better do my training and then get some training done. And then before you know it, you're going home, it's five o'clock on Saturday. And really, you know, it's like you just fall asleep and then, you know, you've got <laughs> one day of the weekend, you're back into a Monday. Yeah. I think that the, the big takeaway there for folks is like, know that it's a re- it can be a real perilous thing to negotiate like 
to give all of your available hours to the work. It's important that you do take everything you can get in the beginning because like you said, as it gives you practice, it gives you exposure, it allows you to, to get to a point of financial stability as soon as possible, which is the most immediate issue. Um, but then once you've got a bit of confidence about yourself and you have some clients and you have like, you know, I think at that point it's important to try and start to restructure the week so that it can suit you a little bit better. I know like I withstood many years of just being exhausted and just refusing to admit it. Mm. But I was just over-caffeinated, under-rested, you know, and I just got by like that for so long and I'm like, fuck, would I, would I do it any differently? I don't know, maybe I would, but I really, yeah, I'm like, well, what, what, what could life have been like if I wasn't just so fucking tired all those years? you know and i think that for for a personal trainer who's getting in the game that's really the key thing is like you know if you're stretching your work hours to tw- like starting and then finishing 12 hours later that's invariably what's going to happen to you mm, yeah it'll catch up with you just charge double yeah then do only mornings go home knock by two i mean that's the thing if you're getting fucking paid who cares bro <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's the, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You're like, oh, no, uh, you know, I don't, I start at 6 a.m. that day, so I'm not taking sessions at 6 p.m. So I'm like, I'll pay $120. You're like, I'll take it. <laughs> Maybe I can squeeze it in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> um, I guess the piece we didn't get into, and maybe we, we don't have to get into it today because it's, it's been a pretty good chat. Probably we can leave it there, but... The parts we didn't get into, maybe this is a good one for part two, is like the actual sales and the marketing side of it. And that's, you know, um, that's something that as you're, you're the head of our PT development here at Jungle Brothers, yep. that is something that you take the, the guys through to quite an in-depth degree every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we, we see that as integral to them being successful with their PT business, no? Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, it's something that we're doing maybe probably six, five, six months now. Like not long before we went into lockdown, we started doing the business development sessions, which are yeah, just set up to help the because there's a few new coaches that have come into the to the gym in the last year, year and a half. And it's not just for the new coaches, but um, but it, it was it's is really just to help them along um, and just speed up that whole process of what we've talked about, all those things that you sort of stumble over in the beginning um when you get on you know when you start working for yourself like simple stuff like putting a direct debit system into place like talking about all these things and mapping all that out um and making them aware of you know you should have these things in your business if you want to have a professional um sustainable business talking about overworking um like all of these sort of all of these things that um fall under that umbrella of personal training um, yeah, we basically pick one or two topics each week and we go into them. We all sit around, all the coaches in the gym, and we sit around and we uh, we discuss the topic or we, we learn about a topic. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was it, when we first started, it was going through all of that stuff, like the, <coughs> excuse me, like the niche, sales, marketing, um, how to market yourself, how to generate leads, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff, um, and just putting some good systems in place. And then, yeah, over lockdown, it was a bit of a, 
on the fly thing just each week just uh, adapting to the situation that uh, the new rules and stuff that came in over over the course of lockdown so it was just keeping people engaged and checking in with people over that time and now we've come back in and we're yeah we're, we're starting to get back into that sort of more businessy stuff that makes sense yeah the priorities change a little bit yeah uh, you know through lockdown and whatnot yeah even though everyone got busier over lockdown because it was obviously gyms were closed for a long time so everyone sort of funny enough got busier but it was still very especially in the beginning it was a real stressful time so we just used that hour basically to come together over zoom and just um yeah just talk about sort of you know if they had if anyone had any concerns or um was confused about the new rules uh that had been brought in and it was yeah it's it sort of went that direction for for a few months there that's yeah. cool. I guess um, that that side of it is if we, you know, looking at what we spoke about today, which is like the onboarding piece and having an introductory process, understanding how to like transact with someone and have a payment thing, and then also managing your time and managing your energy so that you can like you know bring your best to the gig, is almost like like basic level shit. Like you, you, this is you absolutely got to have this stuff. But then second level is like, all right, you got that stuff in order. Now let's talk about how you're actually going to get your name out there, create some branding for yourself, find new leads and bring them into your business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, I suppose the the aim is to have everyone, every coach working here, um, that they're capable of generating their own leads and not just relying on the leads that come through the gym. Um, so yeah, just educating and, and um, putting systems in place so that people can do that when they need to. Let's wrap it there. Will you jump back on with us in a couple of weeks' time to talk about the rest of it? I will, yeah. Fucking ledge. Mm -hmm. Boys, thanks for the chat today. I appreciate that. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, bro. I think I'll retain you. Please do retain my services. <laughs> oh, this session is amazing. I will be retaining your services. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, where I am, been waiting for you. Rent Eight years. Rent rent <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if you are a coach or you're someone starting in the industry, you might like to know about our coach's internship. We were set to have one right about now. And because of the COVID piece, we, we had to cancel it, unfortunately. But the next one will be happening early next year and I'm looking at either mid-Jan to early Feb. Um, Coaches Intensive, we cover all of the things that we spoke about today plus all of the things that we're going to talk about in our next episode. How to market yourself, how to be a, a figure of authority and communicate and lead a group of people, how to take payments, how to manage yourself, all the systems and processes you need to be an exceptional coach and also to connect with the Jungle Alliance and be part of that. So if you are interested, um, you can get in touch with us at junglebrothers.com the date is to be announced, but it will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, once we chat, I'll have something for you. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you did enjoy the episode, please share it with a friend. Help to support the show. Peace. See us. See you.